Good evening. This is Dawn with Watchwoman on the Wall. I hope you all are doing well tonight. I wanted to get on, and once again, it's really late. Today is March 23rd, 2023, and it's 11 o'clock at night. Pushing the late night shift. I promise you guys, I do sleep. (laughs) I actually had a nap earlier, so now I'm wide awake, naturally. So I'll be up late, probably. Uh, I have a couple of things to share with you. Uh, Apparently, last night was a very active night, at least for uh, two of my three sisters, because they both had dreams last night that I really felt led to share with you all. I think they pertain to our times, and I'm excited to share them with you today. I want to start off uh, with the first dream that my younger sister had, and they both gave me permission to share with you. Um, She says, I had a really bizarre dream. I dreamt I was trying to get off a mountaintop because the weather was bad and it was extremely steep, this mountain. Almost needed a rope to climb down. The skies were gray and green and turbulent. When I got off the mountain, I stood in an open field and I could see tornadoes everywhere. I counted about 12 or 13 of them. They were all around me, but I was only watching them, and they never came to where I was. But I could see them stirring up a mess everywhere they went. So uh, this got me to thinking about the story from yesterday where a uh, tornado actually came down in L.A., Los Angeles, California, West Coast. And California, as far as I know, rarely ever sees tornadoes. That's just not something they normally see. I asked my sister if she had seen that report from yesterday, and she said no. She has no cable, and her data was low for the last week, so she hasn't even been online. So she had not seen that. So I told her about that, but what I found interesting and what other people have pointed out is that this tornado happened at 11.30-ish, 11, 11.30 in the morning, and um, on the East Coast at about the same time in the afternoon, because we're a few hours ahead, like three or four hours ahead of them, uh, the um, feds announced they were raising the interest rate to the banks, um, 25 points or something like that. So I found it interesting that this was happening at the same time, almost like a harbinger, if you will. I don't know if it is, but I thought it was interesting of note to note. And then for her to have this, these tornado dreams, this tornado dream, I found it interesting that she counted them and that there were 12 or 13 of them. 13 um, always denotes disaster, rebellion. Um, I've heard 11 is rebellion, so maybe... I'm getting the two confused, but I thought that was an interesting number. Um, Also, another interesting thing that had happened is they both, my sisters both told me about these uh, dreams after I had gone and prayed at lunchtime. And while I was in prayer, um, I also always read. And so the Lord usually has me reading from, um, lately anyways, from one book in the morning and one book in the afternoon or the evening. And currently I'm in Jeremiah and I'm seeing a lot of parallels with our times. I feel like the judgment of Israel and the judgment of America are so, somehow they parallel each other. And I think if you've ever read Jonathan Kahn's books, he talks about that um, connection that God made a covenant with Israel. 
And America was founded on a lot of those covenant principles. So it seems like sometimes our judgments sort of reflect each other. They sort of harken back to Israel's, even though we're not, America is not the chosen people of God. I want to make that straight. But we have a legacy, and we're the only country in the world that has a legacy where we we um, covenanted with God at the beginning of the founding of our country. So what struck me was that I was reading Jeremiah 25. I want to read you one passage from Jeremiah 25, and it's talking about um, Israel's judgment, but not only Israel's, Jerusalem's judgment, but also the judgment of the nations. And this this covers the whole gamut of the world and how the Lord has finally um, come down to judge. And I want to read to you from verses 29 through 32 of chapter 25 of Jeremiah. It says, For behold, I begin to bring calamity on the city, which is called by my name, that's Jerusalem. And should you be utterly unpunished, talking to the rest of the world, you shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword on all the inhabitants of the earth, says the Lord of hosts. He is not messing around. Therefore prophesy against them all these words and say to them, the Lord will roar from on high. See, Satan walks around like a roaring lion. The Lord actually roars. He is the lion, the lion of Judah. The Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. That's Mount Zion. He will roar mightily against his fold. He will give a shout as those who tread the grapes. Uh, Sometimes we talk about um, the grape harvest being the grapes of wrath, the wrath of God. This is what's happening, the wrath of God on the world. And this is what will happen in the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, when it culminates, it says, against all the inhabitants of the earth, a noise will come to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead his case with all flesh. He will give those who are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, this is what caught my eye because of the dream that my sister had and told me about right after I read this. Behold, disaster shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the farthest parts of the earth. The Lord's judgment is severe. When he, he has great patience and he is, he is not willing that any should be lost and that any should um, perish, but he will not he will not call forever. He will not wait forever. And the cup of his wrath will be full and he will act. And so I believe her dream was talking about the judgment of God. And um, this was a great whirlwind. In fact, there were multiple whirlwinds all over the place covering the earth. And she was not touched. She was protected. Now, I don't believe that means that we'll be protected through the tribulation. I believe she simply was untouched because she was safe. And, but she was able to witness the destruction around her. I believe as we wait for his Jesus to appear, we are also protected. The Lord has a, us here for such a time as this. Um, you know, I was going to share this afterward. Maybe I will. I'll share this after. Okay. So I want to share with you my second sister's dream. This would be my twin sister. 
you guys have, you've met all my sisters, I think, at one time or another. Maybe not, but... So she said, right before bed last night, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, a lot of people have had rapture dreams. I wanted one for a while now. If it's your will, could I have one too? I went to sleep and started dreaming. I was standing in my house, and I was aware that it was around 1 p.m., so 1 in the afternoon. But the sky outside was dark, as clouds were racing and swirling together. A lot of people have described this this very scene uh, as the kind of like the preeminence before Jesus shows up. Uh, my son, I'll leave, leave his name out, uh, was in the room with me. It was thundering so deep. So yet another storm here. And yet another dream with skies that are uh, turbulent. So you know a storm's coming. So I thought that was interesting. They both had dreams with storms in them. So it was thundering so deep. I began to feel the thunder pulsing through me and some sort of energy filling my body. I wasn't afraid, but excited. I looked at my son, whom I presume was experiencing the same thing, and I said, this is it. A split second later, we were speeding upwards. I didn't see him, but I knew he was nearby. And as we were approaching this place above earth in the skies, I woke up. But not really. The dream rewound to the scene just prior to the one I experienced. So just prior to her being interrupted, her day being interrupted by thunder. Okay. Only it was from the vantage point of heaven. All this gives me goosebumps. When I read this, I was like, oh, I want to dream like that. I want to be there, though. I want to actually get beyond dreaming and actually be there. Okay. So it was the vantage point of heaven. I saw two incredibly bright beings before me. In front of them, like where I was standing, there were two groups of people. So she could see two groups right in front of her. And I'm presuming they were these two beings were maybe right behind her or on either side of her. Okay, there were two groups of people. I instinctively knew that they were the unsaved on the left and the saved on the right. And that the process of separating them into each group had just been completed. Now, I believe this is what's going on right now. That there is a sorting going on. There is a separating going on between the righteous and the unrighteous. The sealed with the Holy Spirit and those who are not. Now, it says, so the process of separating each group had already been completed. Now, the being on my right said to the being on my left. So, this is where you figure out who the beings are. Son, which was implied in his tone. And he said, go get your people. I woke up, but kept hearing as I was awakening. Son, go get your people. This is wild because this is about to happen this week i was i was on my children had spring break and i took off monday to uh take them swimming and stuff and i was getting ready and all of a sudden do you ever just have this urgency like i need to reach so and so someone drops their word their name and just their memory and everything suddenly drops into your spirit and you start praying for them and they're not saved. And they're not saved. And you want to reach out to them, but you don't know how. 
And I'm sitting there praying to God, how can I reach out to this person? This is a relative of mine. I don't see this person very often except for family functions. And But yet this is someone I had, the Lord had convicted me about at that moment because the Lord had shown me that I had written this person off. And the reason I had is because this person had a close attachment to someone else in the family who um, they looked up to. And that person in the family was um, very all about spiritual, but not about Jesus. And I assumed that this this person that I um, whose name had dropped into my spirit, that they were unreachable or that I shouldn't take too much time, you know. And I would prayed for them before in the past, but always with the idea that it was just kind of like not a I would never call it a throwaway prayer, but where you kind of half heartedly do because. And like I said, I'm not proud of this. This is a conviction, and I'm being vulnerable with you guys. If you've ever had this where you feel like, I'm going to pray for this person, but I'm not going to spend too much energy praying for this person, if that makes sense. And so the Lord convicted me about this person. He asked me, did I not create this person? Do I not love this person? Did I not die? Did I not send my son Jesus to die for this person? And so, with that in mind, I asked him, how could I do it? Since, like I said, I don't see this person very often. And the Lord told me, simply, that there wasn't any time. And that I needed to be candid, sincere, and sensitive, yes, but I needed to lay out the gospel. And now, I didn't feel led to, at the time, lead out, um, lead it out with like the rapture and eschatology and all of that. Just the simple gospel. And I said, how? And I never see this person. And the Lord had me text this person. So I did as I was able to, and as the Lord gave me the words and the prompting. And I wish I could say that this person was receptive, that they showed a glimmer of hope in their response. But what I received was, um, it's a personal thing. And I want to talk about it on my own terms. This person has never brought up Christ or his, you know, this person's faith. I said, uh, but this person said, I'm comfortable the way I am. And it broke my heart because if they only knew what Jesus had done already for them in their place, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't take, take it for granted. He died in our place. And I remember Jesus saying, in Mark 6, 4, he says, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. It is so, so hard. And I know most of you have, or at least a lot of you have voiced a prayer requests for family that you live under the same roof with. Who, And that's got to be hard because my, my um, husband and children um, know the Lord. They're learning about the Lord and they love the Lord. But... Many of you have asked for prayer for a family that are under your own roof. Um, and that's got to be hard if you're living with an unbelieving spouse or an unbelieving child. And how you sometimes feel like the word isn't getting across to them like you want it to. Because um, we'll be frank, people see how we live. Sometimes we don't, we're not always perfect, but it's how we respond. Um, it's how we, sometimes it's even learning how to um, show grace to them, but also to apologize ourselves and be quick to listen and quick to apologize when it, when the fault is ours. 
And so sometimes our witness, though, can be messed up because, well, we feel it can be messed up. But really, I'm honest to goodness, God can redeem any of our um, witnesses. I know that. But when this when this person texted me back and said that they were comfortable, my human fleshly side thought, you won't be comfortable for long. And when everything happens and we are raptured away and the realization hits you because you remember this conversation, um, that your, your chance to be redeemed by Jesus is... Um, it's not gone, but all those you know who knew Jesus are gone. It's going to hit you, and you won't be comfortable. You'll be devastated. And unfortunately, I realize that we're getting to a point where you're starting to realize that that's all that's going to get people's attention, if, if it does. And by the grace of God, I'm praying for a family who aren't saved that it will, if um, for any reason they don't come to know Jesus before the rapture, is that they will even in the midst of all of this, that they will not be given over to um, this grand illusion that's coming. They won't fall for the deception, and that they will see, they'll remember what we told them, and they'll repent. They'll have a change of mind, a change of heart, believe upon Jesus to be saved. So, part of me wanted to say to God, see, I knew that's what was going to happen. I knew that was the response I was going to get. But at the same time, we don't know what God's going to do with that seed, do we, that was sown. We don't know. We can look at it in the short term because, let's face it, we're pretty nearsighted. And we can say that didn't work. But people are not, we can't toss people aside that way. We must continue to pray for them and believe that out of obedience to what the Lord told me to do and what the Lord tells us to do, that he will honor that. So I want to encourage you with that. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, so while we were still filthy, while we were still missing the mark, we hadn't, we hadn't perfected ourselves. That's the whole point. We can't. Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, it's only his blood and believing on his blood that paid to atone for our sins. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We're not destined for his wrath. You know, I've heard other arguments as to why, and there are 101 good arguments as to why the pre-tribulation, um, the pre-tribulation rapture is biblical. But one that people often miss is the simple fact that God will not pour his wrath on his own children. And all of the tribulation is his wrath. All of it. The Lamb is the one that breaks the seal, not Satan, not man, the Lamb. Who can be found to break the seal? The Lamb, the Son of God. So that's all. It's really the wrath of the Lamb. But God's wrath is not stored for us because his wrath for us was placed on his son Jesus already on the cross. He's not going to He's not going to hit his son twice with the wrath. See, we're, his righteousness is imputed to us. If it weren't, uh, it would be worthless. We would get hit. Um, we would be left here to struggle along with the rest of the, the world. And this trial is to test the world, them. 
you know, if he, if it wasn't, um, valuable, if his blood wasn't precious and valuable, more precious than anything else on this earth, you know, we would not, we would have to go through the wrath of God. Because what you're saying when you say that we're going to be here for his wrath is you're saying his blood wasn't enough. Here, I said it. His blood wasn't enough. You're saying he wasn't perfect. You're denying his deity by doing that. You're denying his perfection, his perfect sacrifice, by placing his children in the wrath with the ungodly sinners of this world. We've been redeemed, and we will be redeemed. Revelation 3, 10 through 11. So, it says, For if, while we were God's enemies, before we knew Jesus, before Jesus redeemed us, before we placed our trust in him, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So it wasn't enough that Jesus died. That was only half the story. He not only died on the cross, but now we are reconciled. Why? Because we are saved through his life, through his resurrection. So don't forget the rest of the story. He was resurrected. And we're fast approaching that day. His uh, resurrection Sunday is coming up. But I believe that Time is so very short that if you have somebody in your life that maybe you have thought you didn't really intentionally mean to write off, but you might have, in, in all honesty, not given them the attention or the energy that you may have given to others, and the Lord is calling you to reach out to them now, do it. There is very little time left. Listen. When we go to heaven, when we go to the Bema seat, we do not want to be asked. Look, I know it's about reward, but there's also a loss of there's also a loss of some of the works we've done will be burned up, burned up by fire. And we'll, you know, I don't want to be the one that's saved as through fire, still saved but smelling a little scorched. You know what I'm saying? I want to honor God with the remaining time I have left here. And I wish I had done things differently in the past. I wish I'd have been a bit more uh, proactive in reaching out to the lost. But now is the time, now is the day, now is the accepted time, the day of salvation. So reach out to those you love, reach out to those the Lord drops into your spirit. That person you think that's impossible to reach, if the Lord is telling you to reach them, or at least so seed in their lives, do it. Time is so short. I love you all, and I hope you have a wonderful night. Maranatha, God bless you.